0: Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can now uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do und- Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20x20 20 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling-themed, all sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher and fresh, but you already know. You suckers is me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though we see your kicks and we laugh and yellin' what it goes. you see me shinin' like a suit on puppy you know my grind and shit is too strong buddy that's why the dude call money I be stuntin' like it's nothin' at all cause it's nothin' to me it's probably somethin' to y'all tryin' to smoke like me to come and fuck with your dog got a closet full of kicks you can't and the freshest and the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence Bitch, you feel the way I'm rapping yes, I don't shit to death Until tell I'm running out of breath, until tell somebody cut a check But either way, you know it's fresh, either way, you know it's fresh Fresh, we fresh, 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 fresh God damn it, we fresh, fresh, fresh Welcome to the Fresh of the Word Podcast, I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier yeah. This is episode 86 And this is the second episode with interviews recorded from my recent trip down to Columbus for Wizard World. On this episode, my guest is Tracy Lawson, an author who places herself among a couple literary genres, young adult thrillers, and digging into the past, telling historical stories with a modern twist. Her latest project is the four-part dystopian series called Resistance. She is currently working on a thriller set during the Revolutionary War also. During our interview, we talk about how she interacts with people at conventions like Wizard World, her Resistance series, her upcoming Revolutionary War project, the importance of telling certain stories from an actual women's perspective, and all sorts of other actionable advice about being an independent creator. All right, so let's get on to the interview with Tracy Lawson. Okay, I'm here at the Wizard World uh, Columbus Comic Con with uh, Tracy Lawson. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How about you?
0: I'm doing. I'm already tired. We we're already talking <laughs> about how like these comic cons are a bit of a marathon.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Got to pace yourself a little bit there.
0: When when you're when you're doing these sort of comic cons, you know what sort of uh, conversations are you having with the people that come up to you?
1: Well, one thing I want to know most of all, because I'm an author, is what kind of books do you like to read? So that's one of the first things I ask, and I love it when they say dystopia because that's what I write.
0: Right. When um, how are you trying to you know sell yourself when you're at these uh, at these comic cons? Because I um, on a previous episode of my podcast I had uh, Victor Dandrich, who's the, the coordinator for Artist Alley here, mm-hmm. and he was telling me about this sort of it's like you're selling yourself twice for the immediate and then so they remember you, basically.
1: Right. Um, well, I like to hand out bookmarks and you know, maybe engage people in conversation, um, find something we have in common, because I've worked at a lot of different types of jobs. I taught dance for 25 years, and I choreographed musicals for schools. At, a, at events like a Comic-Con, you're going to find a lot of kids that did theater. So we have a connection right there.
0: Oh, great. So. How important is it to sort of engage into like the community with the people and with other uh, creators?
1: Well, I think people when they come to an event like this and they want to meet the artist or they want to meet the writer, you want the experience. You want, you know, I want to know the backstory. I want to know and they want to talk to an author and, you know, ask a question. And I've had so many kids say, oh my gosh, I've never met a real author before. And I think that's kind of funny now because since I've been in it a couple of years, half my friends are authors. I'm like, "Ah, oh, we're everywhere. But but you know, if you've never met an author before and you want to know how long did it take you to write that book or how did you come up with the idea, I'm so happy to talk about that. Um, I actually had one little guy one time um, picked up the book and started reading it and he said, uh, now, Ms. Tracy, you say that Tommy has an accident, he has a scar from being in an accident, but you don't tell me what the accident was. And I said, well, how far are you? And he goes, well, I'm about halfway through the first chapter. I said, well, that's because we don't do backstory until a little bit later. Because if you and I met and I said, hi, my name's Tracy Lawson. When I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1960-something, um, you know, you'd be bored and you'd walk away. But right. I have to hook you. And as a reader, I want to get you interested in the story that's happening immediately. And then later on, I want you to start asking those questions like, oh my gosh, how did he get that wicked scar? I need to know. And then about chapter three, I'll hit you with that backstory.
0: When did you start writing and you wanted to become an author?
1: Wow, I wanted to become an author my entire life, um, ever since I knew that people wrote books.
0: Uh, <laughs> right.
1: When I was in first grade, my elementary school had a young authors program we were um, to write little stories and then the moms would come in and type them up on typewriters, use a sewing machine to sew the pages to a cardboard um, backing, and then use contact paper to make the cover. Yeah. And then they would give them back to us to illustrate. Now this was like the most super cool thing ever. And when I finished my classroom work early, the teacher would always say, Tracy, why don't you just write a story? Well, I walked out of first grade with 67 books. <laughs> now, this was a pace that was impossible to maintain, but. I always wanted to do it again, you know, for real. And you know, you grow up, you get married, you have a kid, you start a business, you move, you move again, you move again, and you just, life gets in the way. So about my mid-40s, when I was faced with my kid going to college and my husband's looking at a a cross-country move, I thought, you know, I'd rather not try to find a a job in my field again. How about I decide to do something different? Thankfully, we were in a position where I could stay home and write for a couple of years and try to figure it out.
0: Those first steps of figuring it out, what did you do?
1: Wow. Um, read a lot of blog posts, talk to other authors. I would go to book events and talk to authors just like people come up to me now. And that's why I'm always happy to engage or to talk to people because it's, um, it's all about helping each other out. you know. And, and I've had help every step of the way. So if somebody comes up to me and says, I really want to publish my book, but I don't know how to get started, I'm happy to give them some advice and tell them what worked for me and what didn't because everybody's journey is different, but you know, it's kind of nice to know what to avoid.
0: Right. Yeah, it is very important to sort of always had that sort of sense of being a mentor, because yes. you were also at that place at one time.
1: Exactly, and I, I was there not all that long ago, so I can at least even talk to them about it currently, because if I had started writing 20 years ago, it would be like, well, when you mail your query letter, uh, <laughs> no, 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 everything's, you know, everything is email now, and you know, how do you submit, how do you decide which publishers write for you, how do you decide to go indie, how do you, you know, all these questions and the options are greater and more diverse than they've ever been.
0: Was there anybody specific that, you know, comes to mind that when you were kind of uh, figuring it out, really helped you?
1: Absolutely. Liz Coley. Liz Coley was um, at the Ohioana Book Festival in Columbus, and I went to one of the panels and she talked about her young adult book that she had written, and afterwards I came up to her and I asked her a few questions and I, you know, bought a book and she signed it. And then I said, if I have any questions, can I get in touch with you? And she said, sure. Well, about a year and a half later, I needed some help getting Counteract ready. I was getting, I was getting some good responses from publishers, but I wasn't getting over the hump. And I knew it had something to do with my first chapter. And I said, could you please take a look at my first chapter and see If you can offer me any kind of critique and she did and oh my gosh the critique that she gave me was so detailed so kind (laughs) it wasn't like wow this is trash you know she said you're doing this too soon you need to cut this back you need to tell us more here she really gave me like just directions and thoughtful feedback and i did what she said i took it to heart and within another month i had four publishers that were interested so it was you know the proof was in the pudding right and so yeah and i'm happy to do the kind of that same kind of thing for other Butting authors
0: to anybody who's uh you know kind of coming up trying to figure out uh, themselves what advice would you have for them when they're reaching out to other our authors for advice
1: wow um don't take anybody's advice as like gospel truth gotta do this or nothing else because what works for people is different um but also to just kind of like wow um Be glad that people are willing to help you, but don't change everything you do every time you talk to somebody new. Um, And then, of course, the final word on it is never, never pay a publisher, because if you pay a publisher, it's not a real publisher. (laughs) (laughs) And I've I've said that to people, and they go, oh, really? Because I was looking at this package that was only $5,000, no, 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 don't do that. Because once you do that, they have no incentive to market you further, because they've got their money.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So
1: anyway, I think I've yanked a few people back from the, the abyss um, that way. <laughs> from the <laughs>
0: ledge. They're like, oh, this is the opportunity. Oh, yes,
1: this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm going to no, be no, an no. author. Yeah, I'm going to be an author. And you can be, an, there's a lot of different ways to be an author. Um, it depends on what, what your goal is, what you're going for. Um, my goal was always just to get a little bit better at my craft every time.
0: How do you continue to be a student in this? And how do you keep on getting better at your craft?
1: Oh, there's so many free webinars. There are so many blog posts that I subscribe to. There's always somebody else to talk to. Um, Recently, uh, my new work in progress is historical fiction. After writing near-future realistic dystopia, I'm taking a step back and I'm writing a thriller set during the Revolutionary War. And it's based on a true story involving one of my ancestors. And so I've got to learn all this stuff about the Revolutionary War era (laughs) and life during the Revolutionary War era so the, one of the first things I, I did was take a webinar in writing historical fiction
0: there's, Yeah, there's a sense of preparation that you need oh, yeah. to go in there. Talk about you know what you do before you actually get into the meat of, of oh, writing.
1: Wow. Okay, well when I, I'll talk about this new project because it's very exciting to me when we were, we were driving the car listening to a podcast and someone said in this that we see history through a very narrow slice and very rarely is it seen through the eyes of a woman. And I had just wrapped my dystopian series and I was giving myself a break, but I thought, doggone it, I should do something about that. What can I do about that? There's gotta be a good story that I can use. And I realized that I had done a genealogy book for my parents for their anniversary one year, and there was a story in there about one of my dad's ancestors, Who made a 200-mile journey on horseback alone to Valley Forge because her husband and brothers were there, and she brought them supplies and medicine. So she went from Northern Virginia to Valley Forge in January of 78 by herself. So she was badass. (laughs) And I really look up to her and admire her, and so I thought, you know, she would make a great story. So then I had to kind of dig into the story, dig into the legend, try and find the facts, and then Immerse yourself in trying to figure out what is it like to live in that time period? What is realistic? What is not? You know, Even the little details like you wore your pocket, you wore the same pocket every day. Your dress had a, had a hole in it where your hand goes in and right. you had the same pocket that was attached to your under petticoat every day. So that was something that I didn't know. Or that your shoes don't have a right foot and a left foot. You just put them on and you switch them every now and again, so they wear evenly. Okay, these are like the day-to-day details, but then also, I did not know that if your father dies when you're a child, you're an orphan, even if your mother's still alive and able to care for you. Oh. Because women had no rights. Women had no, they could not engage in business, they could not do legal transactions, so they appointed a guardian for your children after your husband died and you had no say in what happened to them what kind of apprenticeship they had whether they were put into service in somebody else's household you were powerless and so that's one of the reasons i believe my grandmother made that journey because her brothers were sick one of her brothers-in-law had already died of smallpox and you know 90 percent of the deaths during the revolutionary war were from disease yeah only 10 percent from combat and so i think she looked around and she went okay if I lose them all, I'm going to be in the same position that my mother was when I was a 10-year-old and my my father died. I can't let that happen to my children, and so she decided she was going to do something about it.
0: Oh.
1: So she like I said, tough girl.
0: Tough girl. Tough girl. You mentioned um in the, uh in the beginning of talking about this how you were you wanted to write something about this through uh through the a woman's eyes, yes. you know. How how important just in comic books or sci-fi and er- all, anything alone is it how important is it to you know to have more and more stories through the women's oh, eyes these days it is of
1: paramount importance it really is um, I've noticed a lot in, of writing lately that you can tell when a, the, the, the main character is a woman written by a man right yeah and I don't know how much I'm allowed to say in your podcast but I, I do have a do friend do whatever you want okay I have a friend who wrote a book recently and his protagonist was a young woman and she liked to run on her treadmill not wearing a bra. And he spent a lot of time talking about her nipples. And I was like, you know, do you know, do you know any women? Because I don't know any woman who likes to run without a bra in any circumstances. No. Yo, so, uh, so, anyway, just stuff like that. I was like, you know, and we, they say the definition of a strong woman in a book is that a woman can have a, a conversation with another woman that's not about a man. And that's just one of the defining characteristics of a woman who's a strong character. Right. Instead of just simpering about this guy or that guy. And so, yeah. But my character, when she gets out into the world, she realizes that liberty means different things for different people. That in, in the 1700s, liberty was for white men. It wasn't for African-American slaves. It wasn't for women. It wasn't right. for indentured servants. Um, you know, you could take your indentured servant, like you, Kelly, as a white man. If I was your say i was your master for an apprenticeship and i was a guy and i got drafted into the revolutionary war i could send you instead and you would have nothing to say about it right you could have a year left on your indenture and i could sign you up for three years to take my place so liberty was not for everybody and i think she might have had an idealized notion of what it meant to be a patriot and what it meant to be free until she got out into the world and saw a little bit a little bit more and went hey you know this is a little bit not okay like Another thing I recently learned, the Hessian soldiers that fought on the British side, everybody goes, oh yeah, those mercenaries. No, those they were not mercenaries in the sense that they were getting paid to do this. Right. They were sent by their prince who was getting paid for, their, for loaning them out. And he also got a bounty for every one of them that died. So, you know, right. but anyway, so the Americans have all these Hessian soldiers that are prisoners of war, and they're having trouble feeding them all because you know money's tight. Yeah, and so what they they devise a plan. Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson they get together and they say, okay, this is how we're going to get those German prisoners of war taken care of. We're going to make those prisoner of war camps in German-speaking communities we're going to furlough those guys to let them go to church and get jobs. We're going to introduce them to the German farmer's daughters and we're going to induce them to quit the army and like become good Americans <laughs> and stay here. We're going to give them 50 acres of land and religious liberty and a nice German girl and see what happens. And they they left the army. They they deserted by the hundreds. Right. Because it's like, dang, this looks pretty good. And to a, a German peasant at that time, 50 acres was like a baron. Yeah. Yeah, that was an that was amazing amount of land. And so they were like, You're shitting me, right? No, no, we're serious. Go do this. Go to to church, get a job, you know, meet that girl. And so then Anna's like, hey, we've been getting persecuted down there in Virginia for a hundred years for being Baptists because the Anglican church was the official church of the state of Virginia. And if you were not Episcopalian, they could beat you up and put you in jail and uh, not let you get married. Right. So when she, you know, so in my book, when she hears about the religious liberty being offered to the Germans, it's like wait 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 a minute. <laughs> because my husband's getting beat up and thrown in jail for being a baptist minister down in Virginia. So why is it okay to give these people who have been fighting against us religious liberty? So it's kind of a timely topic.
0: Right. The the, the whole idea of, you know, liberty and freedom. Once you get liberty and freedom, there's still there's still something there that you have to do and it's almost like you don't have liberty and freedom until you figure out what you want to do after that.
1: Right, exactly. Exactly.
0: How do you sort of deal with that?
1: Wow, Um, that's a great question. That's a stopper of a question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do I do that? I think one of the characters says, you know, liberty, if we don't get all of it, we won't get none of it. And And he was kind of meaning, unless we get liberty and freedom for everybody, we won't, none of us will be truly free. And it's taken a long time and we're still not truly free. We're still working on that, aren't we?
0: <laughs> right, right. Yep. Um, you have another series um, that you, well, you have a four part series yes. it's called Resistance.
1: Yeah, the Resistance series, i have it's got four books, Counteract, Resist, Ignite, and Revolt.
0: Cool. What's that about?
1: This is about a guy and a girl that meet during a terrorist attack. They discover that the government has been faking the attacks for years to keep everybody frightened and compliant, so they join oh. an underground resistance group to expose the truth.
0: Stuff like that's interesting because you're like, all this stuff that happens in the world, you're like, is it really happening the way that they're saying? Oh,
1: no, it it never is. And that's the thing. Um, One of my characters even says... You know, it's never what you see on the news.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, you're like, who's really behind this? Is this like, is this this, fake, is this, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, fake news and propaganda are not new. They've been doing it for hundreds of years, but it's just, it's done faster now and more efficiently. And now you're
0: thinking about with, you know, the way the elections were and everything, you're like, Mm -hmm. all right, dude, what was real?
1: Oh, absolutely. And the problem too, when you let people have more control over your liberties, Um, I have a character who's trying to convince the new head of the government that it's really a bad idea to make a lot of these decisions for people. And he says something about, you know, what if... Whoever was in charge decided that bungee jumping was the true path to happiness, and that everyone over the age of 18 had to bungee jump at least once a week. (laughs) And the woman who's in charge of the government goes, "Oh no! Oh my God, no!" And he's like, "Do you see what I'm saying here? What's good for you may not be good for me, may not be good for somebody else. And the more opportunity we have to make choices for ourselves, the better off and the happier and the more productive we are."
0: How do you, you know, in with all that type of stuff happening? How do you sort of deal with, like, our society going through, like, this sort of fear-mongering? And how how do you sort of, like, not live in fear, like, in these stories?
1: Well, it's, in the stories, we live in a lot more fear than I live in day-to-day because I think I'm a little bit more of a pragmatist when it comes to things like, yeah, it sounds bad, but it's not exactly The Handmaid's Tale yet. Right. You know, it's all on a relative scale. It could always be better. It could always be worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're kind of headed in a direction in terms of like the fake news, the propaganda, the, the overwhelming amount of um, information that bombards us makes us take a step back and just kind of tune it out.
0: Right. And
1: I think that's dangerous. I think that's exactly what they want us to do. Oh, exactly. They want to distract us, and they want <laughs> us to not. They want us to just check out because then they're free to do whatever they want and the, the mythical they as I make quote, quote marks with my fingers I don't even know who they are but it's a there's there's a lot of they
0: right when you're when you're doing stories like this you know how important is it for you as an author to sort of put out stories like this uh, to the readers just you know just to have the opportunity to put it out there
1: oh um, when I first started writing this series and I put my website up I did a lot of um, blog posts where I compared a classic dystopian tale with um, an updated YA book, like Lord of the Flies versus Gone by Michael Grant, or um, 1984 versus Little Brother by Cory Doctorow, Handmaid's Tale versus Bumped by Megan McCafferty, and kind of looked at the themes and said, okay, this one's about, um, you know, what happens if there's a fertility crisis and our nation's greatest national resource becomes the teenage girl under the age of 18. Because that's the YA book, yeah. is that everybody? almost everybody over the age of 18 becomes sterile. So what does that do to how we feel about teen pregnancy? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, of course, the new media message is, look how cute you look with a six-month bump. <laughs> and, and you buy a strap-on brump and bump instead of a training bra to see how you're going to look, how sexy you're going to look when you're pregnant. And that's how they sell it to the teenagers. And all the songs extol, you know, how sexy you look when you're pregnant. And it's like when I was reading it, I had a teenage daughter and I was just like, oh, no, you know, but it's it's interesting to look at, you know, we can lead the world in production of children. You know, that's what the president <laughs> is saying. You know, we we've you know, our, our teenage pregnancy rate was high before but we can get it higher. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds exactly the opposite of what every parent in America wants to hear. Right. Right. But that's what makes a dystopia you take a solution to a problem and you take it to an extreme that becomes very, very uncomfortable for everybody involved. Right, right. Like in The Giver.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) What's something, you know, about your life and your career that, what's a lesson that you could extract from your life or career that anybody listening to this, you know, could, uh, you know, grab onto and, you know, use in their own life?
1: Wow. Um, If you want to be a writer or if you want to be just a human. (laughs) That's a toughie. Any, any. Anything. Wow. Um, Stay aware of what's going on around you. Listen to the voices in your head, because they're your friends. Um, (laughs) Because my characters do talk to me. My mother had me tested. I'm not crazy. (laughs) Uh, But... When, yeah, but when that voice in your head speaks to you, listen up, whether it's about writing or whether it's about what's really true and good. Because in my books, when my characters get into the biggest trouble, it's when they don't think it through for themselves and they let somebody else make a decision for them.
0: Right, right, right.
1: So, hey, look how I turned that around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, just to finish this interview, this sure. is how, <clears throat> I always like um, to end my interviews for the podcast the same way. And what I ask is... Who is somebody that's been a part of your life or career that I could realistically interview also that would have great lessons or great stories to tell?
1: Wow, let's see. There's nobody here in this room that I know.
0: But anywhere. It doesn't anywhere? even have to be
1: um, Let's see. Somebody else that would help um, is probably my friend Shelly Dipple. Okay. She is in Texas. She's part of my writing group okay And she is writing a dark comedy uh, uh, excuse me a dark comedy about a woman who owns a funeral parlor and um, she is trying her husband disappears. okay she's got to figure out if she can get him declared dead or if he has run off with another woman or what because the business is failing and she can't dissolve the business without his signature yeah and so she leaves the courthouse and she's walking across the street she gets hit by a car and in the moment that she's blacking out she says oh, my com- my competitor going to be the one to lay me out <laughs> and and Shelley's actually working on that right now. She's got an agent interested. It'll be her first book, but I've really enjoyed going through that journey with her and bouncing ideas off of her because having that one friend that you can go meet for coffee and say, "Okay, tell me if this is stupid or if this makes sense." And then we right. just like one of us will spill and the other one will sit there and nod and go like, "No, no, 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 no." Or, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," you know, and, and then we work it through together. You need that one person in your life that will push you and pull you. And I finally found that person in Shelly, and I'm so glad to have her.
0: Awesome. Um, If anybody wants more information about you online, where can they go?
1: Okay, great. The Resistance Series fan site is counteractbook.com. Okay? Counteractbook.com. On Facebook, I am Tracy Lawson Author. I am Tracy Lawson, author on Instagram, and on Twitter, I am Tracy S. Lawson.
0: Cool. All right, it's been great talking with you.
1: Yeah, Kelly, it's been wonderful. Thanks for stopping by to do this with me.
0: All right, thank you. So that was my interview with Tracy Lawson, recorded recently at Wizard World Columbus. All the links to her website and her books are in the show notes for this episode at freshesthepodcast.com. And now on to the Fresh of the Word, Fresh Pick of the Week. This episode's pick is the monthly comic book thriller, Long Lost*, created by husband and wife duo Matthew Ehrman and Lisa Sterl. It's a story about two sisters that have been estranged for quite some time who are mysteriously thrust back into the strange little small southern town that they grew up, grew up in where many painful memories involving their mother exist as the first six issue arc of this book goes on only more questions come about and more regret for even returning comes about the trade paperback book for the first six issues is due out real soon Uh, they say late june so be on the lookout for that I met Ehrman and Sterl at Wizard World Columbus, and what really drew my interest to this comic book was the artwork from Lisa Sterl, especially the vivid covers for each issue. So, you know, be, definitely be on the lookout for Long Lost. I think it's a really cool comic book. All the information about where you can check, check out more information about Matthew Ehrman and Lisa Sterl, are also on the show notes for this episode at Fresh of the Podcast.com. So that's another episode of Fresh of the Word in the books. Uh, we'll have one more episode from Wizard World Columbus later on this week. And before I get out of here, I definitely want to remind you how you can uh, support the podcast. You can always go to com and from there, you know, share any of the links anything that you might like on any of your uh, social media you can also subscribe to fresh of the word on apple podcast stitcher radio mixcloud soundcloud google play and TuneIn. in just search fresh of the word and it should come up pretty quickly and please especially on apple podcast if you could review and rate the podcast that would definitely help me out a lot with uh, just spreading the word and building up this really cool podcast. And if I do see any, uh, any reviews, I'll definitely read them on the podcast. You can also personally follow me online on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Omega Fresh and on Facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh. And you can follow Fresh of the Word online on Twitter at F-I-T-W podcast on Instagram at Fresh is the Word Podcast, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast, and on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Fresh is the Word Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fresh is the Word. I definitely appreciate anybody who listens. Goodbye and good night. the word.